Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast, your association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve. Hello, my name is Sherry Budziak, and I'm the host of the Association 4.0 podcast. I'm also the co-founder of .org Community and founder and CEO of .org Source, a consultancy to associations. Today, my guest is Ashish Rangnakar. He is the co-founder and CEO of BenchProp. In 2009, Ashish developed the world's first exam prep mobile app for iPhone. Since then, the app has transformed into a learning management system trusted by the world's leading associations and credentialing organizations, and recently crossed the threshold of serving over 10 million learners. I'm excited about this conversation today. Ashish recently presented at the .org community webinar, and we wanted our podcast listeners to also benefit from his ideas. I always enjoy passing on strategies for growth, and we're going to discuss how to increase increase revenue using a strategic framework for educational programs. So welcome and thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Sherry. Very excited to be here. So tell the audience a little bit about your background and BenchProp. I grew up in India in a middle-class family that valued education over anything. My mother was a teacher. She is retired now. Both my grandmothers were teachers. And my own education journey took its own twists and turns. I have an undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering. Then I did my master's in applied mathematics. While I was doing my master's, I was also working as an adjunct lecturer at City University of New York. So it was interesting that during the day I was teaching, but during the evening I was a student. And this contrast was formative experience for me. And that highlighted many gaps in how you know, we engage our learners and planted a lot of ideas in me as to how what we need to do to engage this modern learner or a modern professional who's on this lifelong journey. So that's when it all started. And it took me kind of another seven years or so to fully jump into this world of education from a business point of view. And you highlighted the first iPhone app, and that, that was kind of the starting of all. In 2009, Apple opened up the App Store. If you remember, there were kind of all kinds of like trivial apps. There was an app yeah. where you could drink a beer or yeah. <laughs> you could make like fart noises. Um, and I remember that at that time I had just taken up my GMAT exam and I looked at this and said, it would have been amazing if I could study for an important certification exam or towards my life, you know, career goals on a mobile app. Now, as I said, I realized that, you know, it seems so obvious today, but there wasn't anything like this 10 years ago. So we ended up building a first ever exam prep app on iPhone, and that took off. Apple recognized our app as you know, the best of education app and so on. That app became a platform. The platform became the business and the company that we are today. So we, we started off as like an app business, a direct-to-consumer business, and then in 2015, we realized that the best way to drive impact at scale would be to partner with associations and credentialing bodies. That's how we kind of ended up here. At BenchPrep, our mission is to enable associations and credentialing bodies to drive revenue growth and learner success. I'm just saying, reflecting on like 
the fact that it has been a decade of doing this. But in this decade, I feel lucky and humbled that we got to enable some of the biggest and the leading associations across verticals, technology, healthcare, finance, supply chain, human resources, and, and so on and so forth. I was talking to my team a couple of months ago, and we realized that just this year, we helped our customers generate more than 100 million in revenue. We have added, we've added more than a million learners on our platform. We are serving learners or professionals in more than 50 countries. We have delivered more than 400 million assessment items. And I'm just happy that, you know, this has given us a lot of data and scale to come up with these growth strategies and frameworks that, you know, one of which we're going to talk about. That's great. I love hearing about the entrepreneurial journey. It's always so exciting for me. That's great. Congratulations. So in the webinar that you presented, you outlined some exciting expansions in the learning market. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. It's clear to me and you know a lot of people that the professional learning market is going through a very exciting transformation. And it has created what I call a 10x opportunity. And not just incremental opportunity, but a generational opportunity. And the data is clear. So if you look at what's happening in our economy, we live in a skills-based economy. Skills are driving economic output. It's very clear that adults are not going back into four-year degree programs for upskilling and reskilling. They are leaning more into professional certifications, alternate credentials, and licenses. These licenses and certifications or, or alternate credentials have become the currency in the labor market. So the demand for certification has just skyrocketed. We saw the total number of certifications offered by associations and credentialing bodies almost doubled in the last you know, five years. And this includes you know, micro-credentials and certificates and so on. When we look at the continuing education market, it's expected to grow by 50% over the next five years. When we look at certificates and micro-credentials, they are expected to grow double digit for the next few years. So you, you put it all combined and you look at you know, what today's professional needs, they need lifelong learning. It's an economic imperative, not just kind of you know, good to have. Upskilling and reskilling is a necessity now. And that's being reflected in the opportunity in the, the alternate credential space, which is where associations are very well placed. This is not about bench prep. This is not about a specific industry. We are actually seeing this macro trend that lifelong learning alternate credentials are creating this 10x opportunity for all of us. And so how do you feel associations are positioned to capture this growth or are they? What should they be thinking about? That's the $100 million question. Yeah. The way we ask that question, it's like, okay, if this is the opportunity, who is best placed to capture? And naturally, when we were thinking about it, the first place was higher education. When, when you look at the lifelong journey, everyone kind of goes through some of the degree programs before they become professionals. So higher ed should be able to capture this lifelong learning, upskilling, reskilling opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they're well placed to do so. And they have a lot of issues to sort out. Higher ed, when their entire organizational mindset revolves around degree programs, campus-based instructions, instructor-based teaching, and things are changing, but they are like a decade away from you know, getting out of their own way to capture this professional learning opportunity. Then the next, next uh, kind of candidate was these 
large companies, companies or employers have a big need to upskill and reskill their employees. So are they well placed to capture the opportunity? And see, some of them are doing a good job. When I would say Amazon, Google, you know, Microsoft have done a really good job around upskilling and reskilling and launching their own certifications and stuff. But this is not their core business. They always look for partners. And that brings us to associations. When associations extremely well-placed to capture this opportunity. What they need to do, though, is widen the aperture through which they look at the market. Every single professional in U.S. is associated with some association. In most cases, actually multiple associations. These professional associations have a captive audience. Now they need to figure out how do they serve their customers better. And this 10x opportunity is all theirs. Tell me a little bit about the bench prep framework and what kind of decisions does it help people make? You know, associations are thinking about this opportunity that's in front of them. We have been thinking about this framework for almost a decade. and It wasn't really a framework. We were just, uh, you know, minding our own business and helping associations. And when we saw that through our customers, like we are able to generate more than 100 million in revenue every year, then we took a step back and said, okay, what are these connecting dots that are working really well for some of our customers and these leading associations? And can we capture this into a framework uh, to evaluate growth opportunities and figure out how these associations can leverage new product development to drive growth? So that is kind of the, the mindset of you know, what it is. And I think what we have seen is the growth-minded association, associations that want to grow, they have a lot of options. They are seeing this opportunity and they have a lot of options, but they need to prioritize. And prioritization becomes important. Which one to take? What's the first step? Like how do you evaluate multiple you know, product development opportunities or growth opportunities? And that's what this framework does. It's, it allows associations to first identify and then prioritize these opportunities so that they have a clear path to progress from initial identification to successful implementation. So you talked about in the webinar about how the framework helped CompTIA grow its education program. So talk to us a little bit about that. CompTIA is one of my favorite examples. It's a, it's a shining example of how this framework comes to life. And for those of you who don't know, CompTIA is a leading information technology certification body and association. And each year they directly or through their partners provide millions of people with training, education, and certification. About six years ago, we started working with them, and their challenge was, how do we drive revenue? We are in a segment where the tailwinds are very strong, technology, and we need to figure out a clear strategy on how do we go from here to the next phase of growth. The first thing that they did was they outlined their business objective. They said, hey, our business objective is revenue growth and impact growth. Revenue funds impact, impact funds the mission. So if they generate more revenue, then everything kind of you know, falls in place. Then they said, okay, there are multiple ways of generating revenue. What is their learning program? The learning program goal was to increase the number of candidates or increase the number of members by improving learner engagement. So there are multiple ways of doing that. They kind of focused on this. The next question they said was, okay, then how do we actually do that? And you know, four key growth strategies popped up. And I talked about this in the, in the webinar as well. 
They considered extending new use cases, launching new products, offering new instructional methods, and leveraging new distribution models. And this is the example, right? I mean, this seems too much. It, I, they can't, you can't kind of stretch across all different areas. This is where the framework kind of comes in, where it allows you to really kind of prioritize. And eventually, they kind of prioritize, uh, they created a phased approach. They said, hey, there's a lot of opportunity. In phase one, we're going to launch continuing education micro course. This was a new product that they launched. And this replaced kind of a old archaic way of research education. And just within the first year, they saw their revenue from that program increase by 20 Wow. So that was phase one. And then they activated phase two, where they launched some training courses. They call it the Cert Master Learn Series. And over the next kind of three, four years, they launched a variety of these courses for different certifications. And then in phase three, they leveraged B2B channels. Right? So they said, hey, now we have launched some products. Now let's activate new distribution channels. They activated B2B and all combined, their revenue from learning products have increased 5x in five wow. years. That's five. great. That's the power of this framework. I mean, I think Comte is a shining example of it. And listen, it took them five years to unleash this. This is not a you know five-day or five-week program. But sure. once that, the kind of results that you see are incredibly powerful. Yeah. So how do people get started with a program? I feel the most important thing is to understand and appreciate the growth opportunity. And this is where I see a lot of associations kind of you know, stumble. It's one of those things where once you see it, you can't unsee it. So once an association internalizes how big the opportunity is, how much revenue they're leaving on the table, I bet they'll find ways to capture. From a strategy perspective, I think the first thing is to kind of just get in this growth mindset where hey, we need to grow and just look at the opportunity. If you get into the specifics, in the framework, we outline the step one to be establish a fact base. Before you look at solutions, let's kind of identify where you are at. And there are three parts to it. First is, what is the opportunity? Second is, what are your business objectives and learning program goals? Because there are various ways to kind of go about it. So just writing down the objectives and goals and getting internal alignment is an important part of it. And the third is like just mapping the current products that you have to the lifelong learning roadmap. And that's the roadmap that we discussed on the webinar and we also have slides to share on that. So step one overall is to establish a fact base, opportunity, objectives, and the current state. Yeah, and I think that's really important is associations are also looking at you know, what is their value and where are those opportunities? So I think this is a discussion and conversation and things for organizations to think about. So can this process also be used with a group's existing products? Maybe most associations have some existing learning products. Right? I mean, they yeah. have capacity for a, for a long time. And they should look at improving these products and make sure that they're serving the goals of their members and learners. If improving a C existing continuing education course or a webinar improves learning engagement and drives revenue, that's great. That's that's going to be kind of a good ROI and do that. What we have found is if an association needs to, wants to grow not incrementally, 
but they want to kind of drive a step change and they want to capture the 10x opportunity, not just the incremental opportunity. It's going to come from new products, new use cases, new distribution patterns. Sure. That's why we have focused this framework to help them do that, which is the big opportunity, the big growth, not just optimization and the incremental opportunity. What should we be avoiding? For associations, I have found in the last decade of me working with a lot of them, there are two areas where I've seen them get in their own way, I would say. First is, I feel they play too much defense. Mm -hmm. They believe, or like over the last few decades, they have come to believe that, well, it's not their mandate to do X, Y, and Z. Like it's not their mandate to partner with universities and distribute in higher ed system. It's not their mandate, or some of them believe that offering learning products will interfere with their accreditation status if their certification program is accredited. I'll tell you that is absolutely not the case. So they just need to shed off this defensive mindset and get into the growth mindset. If there is one thing to avoid, it's this defensive mindset where we just need to protect what we have. They need to get into the growth or the offense mindset. Yeah. The second thing though is like, let's say they kind of get into it. They're like, okay, let's grow. Most of them focus too much on optimizing their current products. It's natural and it's easy. They're like, oh, we already have it. Let's kind of improve it. And I think the way I look at it is, Sherry, the world is changing very fast. These professionals who these associations are serving, their needs, their preferences are changing very fast. The associations are serving a professional that is used to changes that are driven by companies like you know Apple or Microsoft or OpenAI, and that's what the competition is. So no company, I feel, no association can grow by just optimizing what they have. They need to kind of get into the mindset of building new products, opening up new channels. And that's kind of the second thing that I've seen associations allow to get in their own way. Yeah. I think that's some great advice. We were with a customer yesterday and they had us evaluating staff and operations. And when we were really looking at the organization, while they had some issues, obviously, you know, which is why we were in, but they weren't focused on either optimizing or looking at where those growth opportunities were. They were trying to continue to market the old products that people didn't want. And they were upset that they weren't bringing in the revenue and they were spending a whole lot of effort trying to market things that just were not going to be opportunities for the future. And they were saying, well, our members don't want certification and our members don't want credentialing. And we're like, but we're not seeing that in other organizations. There's something here at the core that we really need to take a step back. And so we're like, yeah, I know that's not our engagement. However... You can maybe get some better people or some better process, but you're not really looking at what the issue is and where the opportunity is. And I think for this group, they've had staff there who have been there a really long time. So to your point, you keep doing the same thing because that's what you know. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but you're like, we always did the annual meeting and that nobody's coming to. And we've always done this and we've always done that, but we only have so many bodies to be able to produce all of these things. So I do think that's where associations kind of get themselves in the way. And it's hard, right? We probably all do that with our own business. We are running, running, running. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, you got to take a pause 
and say, are we running to the right direction or do we need to take a step back? It's not an association-specific problem. I think every, every organization that has been around for a long time struggles with it. I almost feel that this is where associations should lean in on their industry partners. Yeah. Or community, bench press, and like there are others as well. But this is where it helps for an outside-in perspective. We have helped associations that are very successful, but we have also seen that are not successful. So we can kind of highlight, same thing with you guys, right? We have seen so many different scenarios and things that work and, and don't work. And that's what I like about this space where it's not really a competition. Like an association is not competing with other associations. If you serve HR versus you serve physicians, you're not really kind of competing. So there's a lot of, you know, collaboration. that Collaboration, can yeah. You ask the right question. The right question is, there's a 10x growth opportunity in front of us. How do we grow? The question is not, hey, this is what we have, what I can, yeah, what can I do 10% better? And once that, kind of you change the framing of the question and then you kind of make it not just my problem to solve, but invite industry partners in, in this collaboration. I think things can move decisively and very quickly. Yeah, I totally agree. And you're right. Asking the right question. That's what we always say. Are you asking the right question? So this has been some great advice. Any final thoughts before we wrap up today? I would just double down on this whole kind of concept of 10x opportunity. I mean, I think it's very clear that associations and credentialing bodies are in a very exciting phase and next kind of five, seven years can bring a lot of growth. So I'm just ex excited about the industry, the space that we are in and the direction that we are traveling. Well, thank you so much. And thanks to our listeners. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you'd like to watch the webinar, you can find it on YouTube. We do currently have it on our video platform. And we will also put a link in the notes here. So I encourage everybody to also watch the webinar. I appreciate your time today. And it was great conversation and great advice. So thanks again. Thanks, Sherry. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. .org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.